The title of this message is, It's Too Late to Turn Back Now. We too far into this thing to turn back now. So I had an opportunity, because you know there's always a backstory of somehow God gave this to me. So this particular time, this, this week that we just finished, it seemed like everywhere I went and every person I talked to, I had to give them the same message. So first of all, we all I had y'all all read the scripture, because just in case you didn't know, you are a watchman. Not necessarily a preacher, but you are watching for somebody every time you pray. Wherever you go, you are an example of Christ. So when people see you, they are supposed to see God. When they see me, they're supposed to see God. If they don't, then that means we're not completely doing our job right. If we don't tell them to turn from their wickedness, we're not doing our job right. Now, some of those situations may simply be that you tell somebody a testimony about what God did in your life and it causes them to want to know more about your God and then you share that testimony. Others, they may look at you and get an attitude and run away, but that means your light is shining bright. You may not have to say a word to them, but they know something's different. But if they don't see anything and you don't say anything and something happens, that's on your watch because you're supposed to have been watching. You're supposed to have been praying. So Brother Jeremy testified, and I'm going to use his testimony. He was talking about the fact that he was dealing with someone that he felt was a little bit trying. I'm going to put it to the best that I can, trying. But in his mind, he was going to pray that that person change. But instead, God told him to change, to pray for himself. Because it was one of those things where he needed to show God, no matter how trying the person is, they still need to see God in us. Okay, so back to my story. So as I go back to my week, I kept running into different people, and I had to say different things to them. And in each situation, it wasn't like I was prepared. I didn't have anything in my head that I was like, ooh, I'm going to just tell them this. It wasn't like that. Each one of the situations, God just dropped me a nugget, and I dropped the nugget. I didn't think anything major about it. I was just like, oh, Lord, that's nice. You let me drop nuggets. That's great. But there were situations that came up where I was, all of a sudden it was like, you need to say this. And I didn't really like that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you up front, I was uncomfortable. And I began to say, Lord, I don't want to draw back. I want to say what you say. I want to do what you say do. But I don't know how they're going to take this and what this is going to look like or where this is going to end me when we do this. So I mustered up my faith, and I really did muster up my faith. And then I went ahead and I said what God said, say. They looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I look like I got two heads, but I'll be a two-headed person in your view. But I did what God told me to do. So got another person I got a chance to talk to. And I've spoken to this person over and over again over time. And this particular time, God began to deal with me about judgment is coming. And he started letting people tell me, because, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm terrible when it comes to watching the news. I don't even know the last time I saw a news program. I I know I'm not, but I I hear stuff from people when y'all testify. That's when I know what's going on in the world. I don't know nothing otherwise. Or if somebody on my job says something, I go, really, that's going on right now? And they're like, yes, did you watch the news? No. They've given me homework to watch the news, and, of course, I'm failing at it because I ain't done it yet. But... When they started talking, all I kept thinking was, there's judgment in the land. There needs to be a change. 
People need to do something. So as I began to talk to this particular soul and I'm telling them, I said, look, you need to understand that you have to make a choice. Because people will stand on the fence and they'll do things and say things like, well, I'm really not sure. I don't know what I should do. So I'm telling the person, hey, Jesus died for you. He died for me. His sacrifice is so that we could be saved. His blood dropping was for the sole purpose of remission of sins. That means payment for sins. And I began to tell him, I said, the wages of sin is death. Somebody has to pay that. Somebody's got to pay for the sins. Now, Jesus so graciously was willing to do that and did that, paid for the sins. But if you don't accept that by believing and repentance and being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and walking with God, continue to walk with God. Because it's not enough that I spoke in tongues and I received the Holy Ghost. But then all of a sudden I started dipping and dabbing and going back to what I used to do. I keep up more mess than I know what to do with myself. That's not the same as walking with God. And I figure most of us already know that's not the same. But when you walk with God, you're walking in faith, you're trusting him, you're believing him, and you're allowing him to change you. But if that's not happening, then you're not walking with God. So back to the person. So I began to tell them, I said, look, it's real important that you understand that if you don't make a choice, you've made a choice. Because people like to pretend they're not making a choice. You're making a choice if you don't make a choice. If you choose not Christ, you made the choice. And somebody has to pay for the sins. Someone. Now, Jesus said, I'll pay for it. I've paid for it. You believe me, I will apply that payment, that blood to your life. I'll do that for you. But if you don't, then you pay. God gave me an analogy, made it real simple. He said, hey, it's like somebody coming up and saying, you committed murder. You're going to prison. You're guilty. You did it. Person comes up and says, I know you did it. I know you're guilty. I saw you do it. But you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to take your place. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to sit in prison for you. I'm going to let you go free. The only thing I ask you to do is remember me. Tell people what I did for you and believe what I've done. Very simple. And then I asked the person, I said, now who in their right mind would say no to that? And of course, you know, the person laughed and was like, ain't nobody saying no to that. Exactly. I said, but here's what people do every day. Jesus died for your sins, and you choose not Jesus. He saw every single sin, born in sin, shaping in iniquity. Before we even got out the womb, we were already wrong. Once we came into the world, we added to the sin. We compounded. We made our debt great. We did that. But yet Jesus said, I see you, I saw it all, but I'm still going to pay the price. And I'm going to let you go free. All you got to do is believe, repent, and walk with me. Very simple. I looked at the person and I said, so if you don't let Jesus pay for the sins, you got to pay for them. They looked at me. I said, think on that. You hold on to that. Because they like to meditate. You meditate on that. You spend some time with that. You chew on that. Kind of what y'all doing right now, chewing on it. Because the reality of it is, if we don't make a choice, we've made a choice. 
If all of a sudden we start walking straight and we're doing everything that God requires of us and we've been living our life praising and blessing God and then now situations in society is making it tougher and things aren't coming as fast because some of us are used to praying and immediately God does it. Got the check in the mail, you paid your tithes, and you got the check in the mail, and you just know that's just how God does it. But then all of a sudden, God didn't do it that way. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that was kind of tough. I went through that a few months ago where I literally was like, now, Lord, I'm paying my tithes and offering. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do with my money. I'm not being unrighteous. I've been a blesser and doing all these other things, but I don't see the check in the mail. And I'm looking at my situations, and I got plans for my future, and this ain't it. As I'm sitting there, and I'm going to God, and each time God would provide, but it was after the date. So every time I had a due date, and every time the due date came, it would come and go. And what I needed was never there. And I was like, Lord, but you said if I trust you, it would be there. So he started sending word to help me. And the word would deal with that God never fails, that he knows how to deliver, that he knows what he's doing. He knows how to move. And if you can continue to believe him, he'll show you something. He kept telling me that I shouldn't be trusting in unrighteous money. I shouldn't be trusting in that because, yeah, I didn't know I was trusted in my paycheck. I, I didn't. I, I mean, I was just used to it coming and pay my bills. I, I didn't realize I was actually putting some stock and trust in that. So when it started coming and it didn't cover my bills and I was going, wait a minute, I make enough money to be able to do everything I want to do and then some. Yeah, don't judge me. But as I sat there and it wasn't doing that, I said, Lord, I don't understand. I said, Lord, have I done something wrong? Am I in sin? Lord, did I treat somebody bad? Is something going on that I don't know? Help me to get over this thing. And then one day, God let somebody give me some money. I said, Lord, thank you. The money covered the need for right then and there. It, remember, it was past due, but it didn't matter because it was paid. And I gave God praise because, Lord, it's paid. Different things kept coming up, and each time something would come up, God would pay it just not the way I thought he would. He would let different ones do things for me that I didn't expect. I wouldn't want to go and do it for myself, but then somebody else would do it for me. And I was like, okay, Lord. And then one day he sent a word that said, I'm turning it around. I said, okay, Lord. And he did just what he said. But in my flesh, I said, Lord, I need to help you out. See, I need to go and borrow this. I need to go talk to this person. I need to go do this. I need to go do that because, God, you're not moving like I expect you to. And then he stopped me to let me know. So what you going to pay him back with if you borrow it? I can't pay him back because I ain't got it. So I stopped. I said, Lord, this is a job for you. Whatever you choose to do in this situation, this is a job for you. And then he started dealing with me because I've testified so much about how I believe God to save my children. I have no doubt. I am adamant that God's going to do this because he told me that he would. And whenever it seems hard and things get difficult and things look crazy and sometimes things look crazy, he will come back and he will encourage me to continue to believe. He even did it today, encouraging me to believe what he said. Then he brought to me, but if you can't trust me with your finances... How are you trusting me to save your children? It's the same God, same trust. So I stepped back. I said, you know what? I'll take my hands off my situation, and I'll treat this situation like I treat you saving my kids. You're going to do what you said you do. So I'll step back, and I'll let you do it. 
Now, if I'd have continued to do things the way I wanted to do it, then I would have been unrighteous. And all of my righteousness, believing God for salvation, believing God to take care of me, believing God to move, believing God to heal, all those things that I had trusted God to do in the past, if I didn't hold on to that, then I would have been unrighteous because I would have had unbelief. I had doubt. Unbelief keeps you out of heaven. That's the unrighteousness. I go through my whole list of things that I can say, well, Lord, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this. And some of y'all can go through a long list of things that you don't do. But if you don't believe God, you might as well be doing all them other things because it's the same end. When we believe God, we believe him for it all, for every aspect of our lives, which means I don't have a boyfriend. I got to believe God for that. I got a boyfriend and he the wrong one. I got to believe God for that. I got to believe God for every situation. I can't make decisions based off of what I feel. Because that's, that's really hard to think about. Because if I wake up in the morning, and none of y'all see me in the morning, thank the Lord. But if you did, I walk like a staggering drunk. I can't quite make it straight. I'm so sleepy. Stop laughing at me. This is serious. I can't walk straight. I'm really concerned about driving heavy machinery first thing in the morning. I get up early. I go to bed occasionally. I sleep sometimes. But when I get up, I'm a mess. But if I put my trust in how I felt, I would never leave home. Instead, I go to God and say, Lord, you know where I got to be. You know they ain't changed my hours. Yes, they could change my hours, and I could even ask them to do it. But, Lord, that's not what you told me to do. So I got to trust you to get me from one place to the next, and he has never failed. He wakes me up, gets me going. I get on the road, and he's teaching me to pray for everybody else because before I was just praying for me. Now I'm just praying for everybody else, which seems to wake me all the way up. And I get all the way to work. I'm grateful. I testify on my job about how God got me there again. My colleagues, they starting to run from me right now because I guess I'm shining awful bright right now. I didn't realize I was shining real bright until I went somewhere on Thursday and somebody told me I was extra bright. I didn't even know that was a thing, but I'm extra bright now. So right now when people see me, they running the other way because they're like, she great, come and tell us about God again. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm 51 years old. I would rather you not like me because I'm telling you about what God has done than for you to like me. Young people, it's okay to be liked, but it's even better if they don't like you because you're showing God. It's okay to want to be in the in group and be with other people, but it's better when they look at you and they're like, that church girl. See, I get to be the church lady. That church lady keeps telling me about Jesus. She keeps praying for us. We come up and we got a problem, she lay hands. We text her, she sends us a prayer back through a text. Whatever it is that God has given you as an assignment, you must do it. You cannot conform to the things that are around you. If you do, that's unrighteousness. And that means that you're basically saying, God, I'm not trying to go to heaven with you. I would rather stay here and go to hell with everybody else. Who says that? See, I all think I'm crazy right now because you're thinking about who would say that. But we say it all the time. We just don't use the words. 
Because the moment when we stop doing the things that God told us to do, when we stop praying, when we stop believing, when we stop telling other people about our God, when we stop trusting, we're literally saying, God, you're not able to do this. So I'm going to stop doing it your way. Went out to dinner with a bunch of people on my job, and it was very uncomfortable. I sat, came in the restroom, restaurant, restaurant, and everybody turned and looked at me. And the look on their face was, why is she here? My flesh said, turn around, girl, and leave. They don't want you here. Why did you leave? Why did you come? So I came and I sat down at the table, and as I'm sitting there, one person offered me something to drink. All I could do was laugh. I said, no, nah, I'm not interested, but thank you anyway. Because I'm like, you know what I stand for. You know who I am, and I've never even told you I don't drink. But everybody at that table knew that I didn't drink. So it wasn't like somebody was like, oh, let me make sure she gets something to drink. They all were waiting for my response. And when I bust out laughing, it was like, now you know better than that. And they were like, oh, we're just checking. You ain't checking. You know good and well who I am. You know what I stand for, and I've never said it, other than, you know, testifying how I received the Holy Ghost, you know. I tell that all the time. But I haven't told you about my, the, my modesty and the way that I live my life, but you have enough knowledge by what you see. Look, there's a whole lot of people that we come in contact with that has a knowledge of our modesty. They see our behaviors, our actions, the words that come out of our mouths. They hear us when we call on the name of Jesus. Even when we're whispering it, they still hear it. They see that we're praying. Even when we think nobody notices that we're praying inside, they have figured it out because they can feel God in us. They can feel it when the environment changes. So when you start doing something different, it confuses people. But here's the thing. They are not without a witness. If they decide not to repent, that's on them. But if you decide to change in their presence, that's on you and them. That blood's on your head. We have to be very careful in this hour that we keep standing, that we keep holding on. I understand right now it seems so much easier to just do what everybody else is doing. Standards are changing places, and it feels like, man, maybe I should change too. Because you can go places and things have changed. People look different. They act different. But I need you to understand somebody's looking at you. And they've known you this way all this time. By the help of God, July the 30th, I will have had the Holy Ghost for 23 years. Thank you, Jesus. I've had the Holy Ghost. I don't know how much of that was me holding on, but I know it was a whole lot of God holding on to me. But that 23 years soon to be, people have seen me one way. I have looked the same, not because of who I am, but because of who God is. I've been consistent, not because consistency is who I am, but because that's who God is. And he causes people to see us in our best light, even when we are not trying to be in our best light. He still does that for us. But if I all of a sudden start changing and doing something different, that means somebody's going to fall who's been looking at me as an example of what they believe salvation is. Because even though I didn't take the drink, I didn't want the drink, it never dawned on me to drink, 
They were waiting to see, is today the day that she fell? Because there's enough people that have. There's enough people that started out with us that changed. And when they see us, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just waiting. It's any minute now. You're going to go back. Y'all, we can't go back. It's too late. We too close to the end now. You didn't gave up too much now to turn back to what you used to be. It would make no sense to be right here and miss everything. Heaven is worth it all. We know that. But you've got to make a decision. I have to make a decision that heaven is worth you looking at me funny. Heaven is worth you not want to be my friend. Heaven is worth you getting mad at me because I'm telling you the truth. Heaven is worth the fact that I can't do what you're doing because what you're doing makes my God angry. Because if you're doing what the world is doing, it makes your God angry. You're basically saying his blood is none effect, that it didn't pay for your sins, that it didn't cleanse you. Y'all, we're not going to get here on our own righteousness and our own works. That's not going to happen. But the thing is, God does require us to do something. He paid the price, but he requires us to walk, to live, to believe, to trust. And if we don't do that, we're wicked. We're wicked, and we fall, and then we end up in judgment. And that ain't where any of us want to be. That ain't where I want to be. Now, if that's where you want to be, keep that to yourself. Please don't share that with me. Because I'm going to pray for you, but I just don't need to know that. That's, that's between you and God, and that's too much information. But if you want to make this thing, then you do everything you can. Get around people that are trying to make it. Okay, get around people that are trying to make it. So, yeah, y'all saying that, but hold on, I need to clarify something. You get around people that are trying to make it, but they're not playing games. See, we tell ourselves that we're trying to make it, but then we do stuff that shows that we're not. So we'll mistreat each other, we'll talk about each other, we'll do things, we will doubt the anointing in other people, we will say words that we have no business saying about somebody else with the Holy Ghost or even somebody in the world. Things that we have no business saying. We know that life and death is in the power of the tongue and we will speak negative words over somebody's life in a heartbeat. Look. That's not getting around somebody that wants to be saved. We have to understand that if we say we want this thing, we got to want it with everything that's in us. And we got to want it so bad that we want to see other people make it. This is not good enough just for you to make it. You got to want me to make it too. You got to make sure the words that come out of your mouth are helping me to make it. Just as I got to make sure the words that come out of, your mouth, out of my mouth help you to make it. Because if our words aren't right, and our thoughts aren't right, and we're not treating each other right, then we're wicked. We're wicked. And being wicked will cause us to miss out on heaven. And somebody that's in the world right now is getting ready to come into the house of God, and they're going to make it because they're going to repent. They're going to make it because they're going to turn. If we continue to stay in our own way and do our own thing and think our own thoughts, we won't make it. Our righteousness won't matter. No matter how many years you walk with God, it will not matter. When he says come up people or come individually for you, for me, if we're not living like God said we're to live all the time, and I understand, 
Yeah, it's grace that's going to get us there. But we got a responsibility. We got work to do. We are watchmen. Somebody's watching us while we're watching and saying what God says. Because the other role of the watchman is to speak what God says. Speak. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. That's a tough one. Some people are nodding their head right now, and they're like, yeah, I got to speak what God speaks. That seems simple. No, that is not simple. Because there are some times when you got to tell somebody, baby, if you don't get it right, you're going to hell. And no, I'm not judging you. The word is judging you. God said it. Other times you got to tell somebody, look, um, you can't treat people like that and think you're going to heaven. Baby, you can't do that. that that's unacceptable. And then you got to go and tell somebody that's mean, hateful, ugly, everything about them says wrong. You got to tell them Jesus loves you. <laughs> They've been mistreating you, dogging you out, talking about you, doing, stealing from you, doing everything in the world. But you still got to go and tell them Jesus loves them. That ain't easy. But it's right. It's what God calls for us. Because as a watchman, all of us are watching. And other people are watching us. And they're expecting to hear from us. They need to hear your testimony. Yeah, I always talk about the power of the testimony and the fact that it's important for us to tell what God did for us. There are other people in this world suffering in the same situations that God brought us out of. And if we don't open our mouths, they don't know that they can come out. They don't understand that God will forgive them. I literally told a person, and I, it seems so elementary to me, but I told the person, I said, look, once God saves you, he will make you new. That old person will be gone. You'll be somebody new. You won't be tagging around those sins that you committed. You'll be free. That's what God did for me. That's what God did for all of you. But this person, all they could see was their own sin. See, that's the thing about Satan. He wants to convince us. There are three things he wants to convince us. First, that we've done too much. And there's some of us that can testify that Satan told you, you've done too much to be saved. Then there's the other one that you've not done that much. You're not that bad. See, I was one of those people. Satan told me, you're not that bad. Jesus loves you. You're not that bad. He's going to let you into heaven anyway because, you know, you're not that bad. That's a lie. That's a lie from the pit. I was going to hell. And I was going to hell because I was a sinner born in sin. And I was sinning. I was sinning. I mean, I was sinning, y'all. But Satan was convincing me that I wasn't that bad because I grew up in the hood and I was around some people that would be considered pretty bad. And I was with them, but I wasn't doing what they were doing. So I wasn't that bad. I wasn't seeing on my way to hell, just like they were. And the greater thing is I knew that all I had to do was repent, be baptized, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I didn't have to go. Now, I don't know what they knew, what they knew but I know what I knew. So my situation was worse than theirs because I at least had an answer. They didn't even have the answer. The third thing that Satan will do is he'll tell you, you're walking with God, but you're missing something. God is keeping something from you. Yeah, the only thing he's keeping from you is hell. <laughs> That's it. He promised you everything. He said that the kingdom is his desire to give you the kingdom. He's given you everything. Everything you could ever want. You may not have it in your tangible hand right now. But understand, most of the stuff that we want is temporal and it's going to burn up anyway. So the things that God promised, they're yours. They're already yours. You just got to grow up to get them. 
whether it's naturally or spiritually, you got to grow up to get them. But Satan will convince you, God's withholding something from you. So that's the three things. You've done too much, you haven't done that much, or God is withholding something from you. All of those are tricks so that he can steal, kill, and destroy. Because he has one tactic, one purpose, one plan, and that's to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's not your friend. Now, I don't care what anyone tells you. He doesn't mean you're good. Now, some of us might think he does. I promise you, he doesn't. You can read it in the Word. He doesn't. But if you take the time, if I take the time to trust God and what he said and recognize that it's too late to turn back now, we've come too far for us to all of a sudden start being wicked when God called us to righteousness. God bless Jesus, Hashama. The altar is open. I'm Oshaya for anyone that needs God right now. Whether it's because you feel like you've done too much, you feel like you've not done enough, or you feel like God is holding something from you, you need to be at the altar so you can be delivered. Shama, because that's a mindset that needs to be changed. Ah, Shama. If you've not repented of your sins and you want somebody to explain to you how to repent, Come to the altar, shop. We got ministers that will actually explain it to you so that it is explained in a perfect way that you can receive it and you can repent, believe, and receive the Holy Ghost. Shama, if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name and you need your sins remitted, you need them removed, you need them paid for, and that is done through Jesus Christ, come on and get baptized in Jesus' name. Shop. Because he's here and he's willing he has the ultimate plan for you that's better than anything you can imagine. He has a better life for you. He has a better opportunity for you. All you got to do is come and get what he's got for you because he loves you that much and he wants to change your life. He wants to make you whole. All right, so if there's no one, if we can all just stand and pray for the two that came up because they have an understanding that they need God. So the rest of us can stand up and pray for them. If y'all can pray for me, because I still got to make it too. Because it's important that I make it just like it's important that you make it. And we'll go ahead and pray in Jesus' name. Gracious Father, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for the great work that only you can do, Lord. We thank you for every soul in this place that you have spoken to, Lord. For the changes that you're making in us. For causing us to believe you and to follow you all the way through, Lord. We thank you because you are great and you're greatly to be praised. Lord. We thank you for the repentant hearts that you're given this day, Lord, for the turning of the mindset, God, and causing people to believe your word, Lord. We thank you because there is none like you in all the earth, Lord, and you do all things well, Lord. But we thank you for healing and deliverance, Hashama, in this place, Lord God. I'm Oshaya because you are God alone, Lord, and you do all things well, Lord. We thank you because our lives belong to you, Shama, and you got us right where you want to set, Lord. So, Lord, we give you honor.